high. He's the name above every name. Amen. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Let's just praise him in this place. Jesus, you are worthy this evening. And we lift your name above every circumstance. We thank you, Lord, that when your presence is in a room, dry bones awaken. We thank you that when you walk in the room, life happens. Jesus, we thank you that you defeated death. You defeated the grave, and we get to live victoriously because of you. Jesus, this is all about you. This is for you. May our spirits in this moment just be awakened. May there be an awakening in each and every person this morning, because you created us, Lord, as spiritual beings that connect with you spirit to spirit. So we pray for the remainder of this evening that there be an awakening within us to believe that you are who you say you are, that we'd be grateful for what you've done and what is now true of us because of what you've done, Jesus. You are truly in this place. You are truly in this place, and we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here right now, the tangible presence of God in this place right now with us to lead us into all truth and to draw us closer to a heavenly Father who loves us. A heavenly Father whose plan from creation was to restore all things to himself. And so tonight in this place, God, in the spirit of healing, we want to believe that you're going to restore it today. Because that's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. It's the restoration of all things. So thank you, Jesus, that you're here, that you're with us. May your spirit guide us for the remainder of this evening. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's hear it for our worship team. Come on. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for leading us. I'm going to invite you to, to grab a seat. And uh, we're going to chat for a few minutes together. We all love a good story. It captures us. It sucks us in. For a few minutes, we escape. See, my favorite ones are the ones that they take you on the journey with them. Then when the story is finished, you're placed back in your chair, amazed by what just happened. Your perspective on life may even be changed a little. See, in most stories... There's a journey for someone to be heroic in some sort of way. Actually, I would argue that all of us in this room are called to be on a heroic journey. More specifically, I truly believe we have multiple chapters or many heroic journeys throughout our lives. And by nature, heroic journeys all have three elements. There's the call, followed by a challenge, and then it finishes with the completion of the call. Two of those elements I absolutely love. I bet you can guess them. The call and the completion, right? I'm not so much a fan of the challenge part. You know, it's okay to read about it in a book. It's okay to watch it on the big screen. But when it comes to my life, the challenges were not fun. They're still not fun. But here's what I learned. They're important. 
In fact, I would almost argue that they're needed. You read that growth happens in the valleys and not on the mountaintop. Well, it's true. You see it in nature. See, most of the growth and character development that's happened in my life has come through the seasons of challenge. It's come in the valleys. And I've learned to lean into this truth. While wrestling in the midst of the challenge, the best thing I can do is embrace Jesus. While wrestling, I embrace. See, another promise that I wholeheartedly believe in, and I've often shared it with others, is a promise found in the book of Isaiah, and it's this, my paraphrase. God makes beauty from ashes. I didn't know that fall of 2017, I would have to cling to this promise for many months to follow, even to this day. I didn't know that I would have an internal battle about what I believed about God, more specifically what I believed about God as a healer. Now let me back up to the beginning of my story, focusing on God as the healer through the years. In 1980, I was born into a Christian home. I was exposed to and taught that God is a supernatural God, like we sung about earlier this evening. I was taught that throughout my life, we can live naturally supernatural, as seen in the life of Jesus. We can live the way Jesus lived. See, Jesus emptied himself when he came to earth from heaven. But as a human, operating in his identity as God's son, he walked in intimacy with his Father, and he received power from the Spirit to do the things his Father revealed. Friends, I was taught that we too can live this way because Jesus set the example, and he sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to empower us, to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Church, throughout my life, I witnessed firsthand encounters where heaven broke through into our world and people were healed and people were set free. My sister's watching online right now and she's not going to like this next story. I'll ask for forgiveness later, Tara. When I was about eight years old, I remember my sister having multiple plantar warts in her foot. You can see why she's going to not like this, right? It was a large cluster, and for me, it was like this big as an eight-year-old. But really, it was about the size of a loony. Man, we tried every remedy. We went to the doctor to get it cut, burned, like you name it, we tried it. And nothing happened. It just kept coming back. And I can remember a pastor was coming through town. He was a friend of my dad's. His name was Pastor Johnny Welsh. And he was visiting our church, and he was sharing. And he was teaching about healing. He said, it's good to teach about it, but we must also practice it. Jesus said not just to learn about what he does, but do the things, right? So he's like, we got to practice at church. And I remember him praying for my sister for those warts to be healed. But nothing happened in that moment. She walked away feeling encouraged and blessed. She was hopeful. But nothing happened in the moment. It wasn't until she woke up the next morning and checked her foot out. The warts were gone. They'd fallen out. There was new fresh 
clean skin in its place. God had healed her. I remember another time a man from our community was wheeled in to our midst. And he had a foot condition which he couldn't walk anymore. And a community of faith, of believers gathered around him, like they had done many times in the past, and said, we're going to keep battling. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep shaking heaven. And I watched that night as he jumped up out of his wheelchair and he ran laps around the church. I wouldn't have believed it had I not seen it with my own eyes. As I've shared before here at Center Street, as a teenager, one of my grandmas was sent home with 90% of her heart blocked. Doctors said there was nothing else they could do for her. And I remember in a moment, in an instant, our family gathered and prayed and she was healed. And she jumped up and was like, oh, what are you guys doing here? And cleaned the house and baked bread and snacks and all the things grandmas do. It was amazing. And we gave glory to God. Here's the other part of the story. With the same zeal and passion, we surrounded my other grandma, who was battling cancer. And at that time, we didn't win that battle. But here's the truth. We prayed with authority and passion at the same time, but there were different outcomes. I'm going to speak to that in a moment. More recently, in early 2017, after spending much time <clears throat> battling in prayer with family and friends, I said goodbye to a close friend. And I said goodbye to my aunt, who both lost their battles with cancer. A year prior to that, I was able to be a part of a community that prayed for two other friends who were miraculously healed of cancer. And they're living full active lives today. So why do I share this narrative of my life with you this evening? First, I want to share testimony that God is indeed a healer. I want to build faith in the room by sharing how I've seen him and continue to see him move in miraculous ways. I do want to share that there have been times and there are times when we don't win the battle on earth, yet loved ones still slip into eternity victorious because of Jesus and we remember them as heroes I want to recognize there's those in our midst today in this room tonight that have been battling for healing for months maybe even years and maybe you've lost hope church there are seasons when I stopped praying for healing because I was wrestling in my belief that God was listening. I wept. I pleaded. I begged. And God seemed quiet. What I didn't realize was that he was at work even if I didn't recognize it. There's a couple of truths I want to talk about in a few moments that I've learned. And I want to share some community principles around healing that I've embraced principles I believe we can all embrace principles we see lived out through the life of Jesus but before I do that I want to invite one of my heroes to the stage earlier I mentioned that fall of 2017 
was a time where I had to hold on to a promise that God makes beauty from ashes. My amazing wife, Jessie, is going to join me. Yeah. She's going to share about one of the darkest chapters of our lives and how Jesus the healer met us and saw us through one of the deepest valleys we've ever walked through. Our story today is a nice one, one of a growing belly <laughs> near constant karate chops and picking out a crib. I like to call it the story of the blissful skinny dipping squatter. <laughs> but it didn't start that way. And it's not over yet. We're still learning to live with open hands and willing hearts. So we were married for about 13 years before we even really started thinking about having a family. We had no idea that we were about to start one of the biggest journeys of our lives. And to be really honest, I was happy. Life was good. We have a loving extended family. We have a great relationship together. I have a really satisfying career. My life organization skills had also made me question my ability to add another small dependent creature to our lives. <laughs> I once took a personality quiz that labeled me as the absent-minded professor. And at first I was really insulted, but then I realized how deeply true the absent-minded part is. <laughs> I'm not especially well-planned or put together. I often feel like I'm running, trying to catch up from one thing to the next. I struggle regularly to water my plants and let the dog out every six to eight hours to go to the bathroom. Never mind adding another codependent in our lives. So I definitely had a bit of anxiety about this whole journey. But then we found out we were pregnant and all of that anxiety instantly evaporated. It suddenly made so much sense. I was only excited and only looking forward with a fearless heart towards our newest adventure. We bought all the baby books and read them all together with goofy smiles and started to plan for a new life and the changes it was gonna bring. Sorry, I'm going to get a little bit graphic here, but I really believe it's important for us to talk about, to normalize the experience, and to realize how incredibly strong and resilient we as women and as families can be. Only a few days into our dreaming, I started to bleed. Our hearts broke as we quickly learned that what was happening. I couldn't have imagined the crushing loss that we would feel even after only knowing for a few days that we were pregnant. I am a veterinarian, so I do have some medical knowledge. <laughs> the stats are actually really high. One third of pregnancies are lost in the first trimester. It's quite amazing. And I wasn't naive. We were starting when we were older. I work shift work at a high stress job. And I know of many people who have been through the painful journey of loss or infertility in their lives. Unfortunately, ours is not a new or an original story. It took a few months for us to be able to consider even trying again. Difficult months of waiting, but in hindsight, months I'm so thankful for to give us time to recover both physically, mentally, and emotionally. We didn't really tell anybody the first time. I couldn't stand the thought of having to listen to a million opinions on what to do next. 
please know <laughs> your suggestions of types of essential oils and brands of vitamins and even bedtimes are not helpful but your listening ear is really helpful then good news again the magical blue lines <laughs> happy shouting and pulling out the baby books we had tucked away quietly a few months prior but if we're honest there was also a quiet cloud of anxiety slowly filtering in the hope twisted and shadowed with a thin line of fear. We plunged forward, but it wasn't too long before again, I couldn't catch my breath, ran to the bedroom in the middle of the night, waking Trav up. We needed to get to the hospital. It started to bleed again, although this time at least it had stopped quickly. Waiting with bated breath for the news of the emergency ultrasound, unfortunately it wasn't totally definitive, but everything wasn't completely normal. There wasn't much they could do at that point. It's a waiting game. See what would happen, but it wasn't looking great. We alternated between great hope and trying to prepare for loss in the next week as we waited and were devastated when our worst imaginings became true. We were crushed. We wondered if this would ever be possible for us. We had open hearts. What these experiences really confirmed in us is that we really did want to build our family, whatever form that took. We were open to trying again, even knowing the turmoil of emotions and physical stress it put us through. We were open to adoption. We always trust that faith has a way of working out, but at this point, we felt like we were standing on the edge of a really steep canyon, breathless and exhausted, not understanding if we could or how it would be possible to get to the other side. We all know there's this, always this piece in the middle of the story, the piece where things haven't really settled yet, and you know you have great hope, but you can't see it yet. The little tiny things cut, where the edges are raw and the tears come unpredictably, and you still have to get through this piece. We usually like to gloss over this piece and focus on the goal at the end. But through this experience, I've also come to believe that this middle painful piece is really the part that matters. See, we all love escape prayers. And I'd be lying to say if we didn't have a few of our own drawn up. <laughs> we love to believe that God only wants what we imagine to be the very best for us at all times. But his opinion of best is played out in the long view. The view we're often too small and too confused to see. So I tried to embrace the full story, not just the parts that I wanted, not the parts that made us look or feel okay, but all the little jagged edges, the hairpin turns, and the steep canyon ahead of us. I tried to be thankful for the full story, to allow the loss to grow compassion and grace in my heart. I tried to learn to live in peace, in the middle of that difficult peace, trusting that the adventure would work itself out. And while now we are excited and a little terrified and joyful and really a lot terrified <laughs> about what is to come, our biggest healing has come in the form of a release of anxiety about this pregnancy. I expected to be constantly vigilant and worried. And while of course this still sets in at times, I let go of trying to predetermine how the journey would work out. 
our prayers changed from really directed specific asks like God made this pregnancy go well to focus on developing greater character traits within us like dear God teach me to be grateful and dependent on you no matter where this ends up taking us it's been a subtle but a really really profound shift through the adventures that we face in our faith story as we still walk through this journey there are two lessons about healing that I really wanted to share with you tonight The first is that healing, of course, spans much wider than just physical. Healing for your spiritual and emotional journey are just as important. Don't neglect the softer and more subtle parts of your life just because it's easier to do that. Don't neglect understanding and knowing the true state of where your heart is at. And don't belittle it, it's important. And the second thing is that healing takes time. Don't try to escape the journey or rush through the sticky parts. Pray for your healing to take the form of a deeper trust and a deeper reliance on the Father that you had before. So, come mid-May, we'll be serving an eviction notice. At that point, I'll be more than ready to have my gastrointestinal and bladder real estate back. And we certainly can't wait to meet you, our little skinny dipping squatter. Even in the midst of the tough parts of the story, God is still writing. And um, there's two things that spoke very loudly to me and to us in this season. Two truths that have helped us come to the place of healing that Jesse just shared about. As I wept into my pillow many nights, I had a song playing on repeat that spoke truth about God. Even when my emotions didn't want to allow me to sing or even believe, I chose to declare that I believed in God, the healer. The song was Miracles. And there's a line that repeats, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I didn't want to sing it in the depths of my pain, but I chose to. I had to, because it is who he is. The second big truth that helped get us through a huge season of challenge was a truth that I learned from two passages combined together, and they're found in John 5 and Hebrews 4. Here's the first story. In John 5, I'm just going to read it from the Passion. It says, Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem on one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate, there's a pool called in Aramaic the House of Loving Kindness or Bethesda. And this pool is surrounded by five porches. And hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches the paralyzed, the blind the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God, he would come periodically and descend into the pool and would stir the waters. And the first one to step into the pool after the water stirred would instantly be healed. Now there's a man who had been disabled for 38 years. 
And he was lying amongst the multitude of the sick. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed. For I have no one who's going to lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, somebody else jumps in ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and you'll walk. Scripture tells us immediately he stood up and he was healed and he rolled up his mat and he walked again. Amazing. Instantly healed. Wow. Now here's the second passage in Hebrews 4, and I want to tell you in a moment how they connect. This is what Hebrews 4.14 says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way as we are, and he did not sin. And I love this part of Hebrews. And this truly carried me. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, looking at the first story, we see a man whom after suffering for 38 years was instantly healed as Jesus spoke a declaration of healing over him. That man was plucked from his infirmity with one encounter with Jesus. And I truly believe that can happen today. In the second passage, we read about Jesus, the high priest, sharing in everything except our sin, is seated at the right hand of God, our Father, and he invites us to approach God boldly with confidence. And then he says, and then you're going to receive the grace and the mercy for whatever you're facing. So linking these two passages in this last season, I learned this. There are times where a miracle will happen instantly and everything changes. We are rescued from the pain instantly. Jesus delivers us and he pulls us out of the situation we are healed. But more importantly, here's what I learned from Hebrews. I learned that while there are times this will happen, I learned that Jesus will always be with us through whatever we face. And both of these truths are beautiful. Friends, there's so much more I can say about healing and what I've learned through this experience and through my life. Rather, I want to leave you with four principles around healing that have impacted my life. Here they are. Number one, God is a good father who wants his children to be whole and well. Through scripture, we see that Jesus never turned down anyone seeking healing. That's what I believe. Jesus wants to heal people. The only question is when. But every opportunity we have to pray for healing, let's go for it. Let's battle. Let's not be afraid to live in the tension if something might not happen in that moment. 
if God is calling us to step out in faith and to pray and believe in battle. Secondly, we've been given authority by Jesus to represent our Father to do his will. And when, he, when we exercise that faith or that authority in faith, God's power flows through us to accomplish his will. Third, I love this. Jesus healed and delivered people out of love and compassion. Love is to be our primary motivation when it comes to healing and praying for others to be healed. It's not about our glory. It's about his. And then as Jesse spoke about earlier, Jesus healed people physically, mentally, spiritually, and relationally. We are to seek the healing of the whole person in Jesus' name. So here's the deal. Jess and I are walking in healing today because we spent time with Jesus through our suffering. He restored us physically, mentally, spiritually, and relationally. So here's my invitation this evening. I just want you to respond by taking time to come to the altar and spend time with Jesus, whatever that looks like. He wants to meet with you. If you want someone to pray with you for healing, we have an amazing team of leaders that love to pray and battle and believe for healing and partner with you in your journey. And they're going to come and get ready. They're here to pray with you. I want to take a moment. I'm going to invite you to stand as a church. I want to pray for you all. And then I'm going to ask you to respond as the team continues to lead us in song. If you're here tonight and you're in a place where, you know, you're like, Travis, you know what, man? Like, I'm in a good spot. I don't necessarily need to respond specifically to this call. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. Take some time to pray for those that are stepping out and saying, I want to battle for some healing tonight and for some breakthrough. Take some time in your seat to pray for them. Because guess what? That's what the body of Christ does. We lift each other up. We battle spiritually in prayer for each other. Let's pray. So Jesus, we know you are here. We know you're in our midst. I pray that faith would arise. I pray that there'd be a confident expectation. That you're going to meet us whether it's relational healing that needs to happen, restoration and broken relationships, we pray that tonight there'd be a significant change in that area, Lord. The enemy would no longer have his way in destroying relationships. God, in the physical realm, we pray that miracles would happen. We're going to battle. We're going to contend. We're going to lift each other up. We're going to celebrate those who step out in faith to be prayed for because they are heroes. Jesus, we're going to commit this time to you. And we say thank you that you meet us in the midst of our suffering. And we thank you for the promise of Hebrews that while there's times that, yeah, there is instant healing, you always see us through whatever we're facing. 
And I thank you that you're close. I thank you that the last things you said before you returned to heaven, one of the last things you said, Jesus, was that you're going to be with us to the end of the age. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that your presence, your spirit is in this place. We want to meet with you today. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I'm going to invite you. Like I said, we got people here to pray with you. If you just want to find a space in this room to spend time with Jesus and pray through some things, go for it. I'm going to turn it over to Mitch and the team, and I'm going to join um, some of our prayer partners, and we'd love to pray with you this evening. God bless.